2: welcome to the true beauty brooklyn podcast i'm elizabeth taylor and i'm alex shapiro we're estheticians in williamsburg brooklyn and we work with really incredible diverse ambitious and driven people who are killing it in life they deserve to be celebrated and on this podcast we're going to be sharing their stories with you
1: yeah and in between our interview episodes we'll have beauty school where it's just the two of us maybe some guest stars and we'll be chatting about beauty life weird shit about being in your 30s and learning more about one another because that's what makes us more similar than different
2: also we're a lot of fun and we have a super multicultural community and we kind of think that you might too so why not talk about all things beauty under
1: one black and jewish roof plus we'll be answering listener questions so be sure to write us at truebeautybrokenpodcast at gmail.com all right guys let's jump into the show
2: Hey, guys. Hey. Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. Welcome. (laughs) It's Elizabeth and Alex. And today we're coming to you with a great episode. (laughs) We're interviewing one of our good friends. He's a neighborhood friend. He is Ricky Koenig, a.k.a. The Ricky's <laughs> of Ricky's NYC. Of Ricky's NYC. I forgot there's a name, it wasn't just Ricky's. Ricky's NYC. If you've lived in New York at all in the past 20 years, you know exactly who we're talking about. Ricky's NYC is the beauty destination. There's like 30 locations all across Manhattan, and it had everything that you could ever need to be a beauty. If anything. you needed
1: a beauty item yes. and you couldn't find it anywhere, you would definitely find it at Ricky's. From wigs to bobby pins to
2: curlers two curling irons. Once I have year curlers from there. I have a
1: um, curling iron from there. Yes. I have a pound of bobby pins that will take me another 20 years to go through. I mean, Everything. it's
2: iconic. It's iconic. And so Ricky has been a neighborhood friend of ours, as we said before. And I've known him around the neighborhood, but I knew him secret. It was like one of those things we never really spoke about. Like, I knew that he was Ricky's, but I never, like, implored him to talk about being Ricky mm-hmm. of Ricky's NYC. And so today we finally had the chance, which was so much fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. He just talked to us about, you know, his dad, who was actually first in the health and beauty business in New York City in the 70s. And he had over 30 locations. And so Mm -hmm. then Ricky came in. and As his competitor. As his competitor. And his dad was like, all right, bet. Here's some money. Let's see what you can do. Yeah. That's fucking cool. That was so cool. Loved it. So he just told us about his journey, building this incredible company where he sees beauty going in the future and, you know, being a dad to young black women because Ricky's a New York Jew, but he loves the black ladies. What can I say? (laughs) So he's got the most beautiful biracial, multicultural children, <laughs> I should say. The most beautiful multicultural children. And the reason that I bring it up, I guess, is because that's really what like, led him to kind of create and develop a bunch of different products. Was because growing up with a black woman in his household, who was like one of his caretakers, he, had, he just loved black women. And then he was dating black women. <laughs> and he saw what they had to go through to get their hair done. So he started to create these products. And one thing led to another. And then Ricky's NYC is history. Dude,
1: that yes. fucking store. Love I just it. Love going in there. Oh my god. Love
2: it, guys. So okay, enough of us gushing and talking in circles. Without further ado, here is our interview, our conversation, we should say, with our friend, Ricky Koenig, the former CEO of Ricky's M Y C. Well, Ricky, I'm excited to talk to you because you are New York City beauty royalty, and you have so much to tell us about just, like, building an empire, building your business, but, like, being a New Yorker, all of these things. So I'm excited to talk to you from... Me
1: too. Yeah, if you don't mind telling us from the
2: beginning of your story. We're both New York
1: Jews, so it's Uh, very special to me.
3: (laughs) Yes, yes, that's right. And I'm from Muncie, nonetheless. No way! Yeah, from where all the Hasidics are from.
1: Were you raised very religious? No, not <laughs> no. I mean,
3: not even close. We, like, the thing was, we were there before the Hasidics.
4: Ah. So I was there in
3: like 64. Wow. Oh, okay, that, Right. A long time ago, um, I was raised there and there was, it was a very mixed area. And then, I don't know, There's 20 t- years t- later, it turned Hasidic. They changed the name of like, they call it Wesley Hills. And like the elementary school was turned into a synagogue. You know, so I always, I remember I was dating um, my ex-girlfriend who Liz knows, Monique. Yeah. And she used to like joke around, and she would tell Hasidic people that her boyfriend is from Muncie. <laughs> now, so so like that would break down the conversation. And Monique, for three years, thought Muncie was a holy city in Israel. <laughs> she didn't. She didn't put two and two together. <laughs> so she used to tell everybody all this stuff, and it, it just was, you know. <laughs> because i guess because muncie was such a taboo or is such a taboo place that every hasidic you know knows about muncie it's true we're
2: just gonna lead you through your life we're gonna we're gonna let you tell the story of ricky ricky koenig and ricky's from okay. from the horse's mouth i don't like that saying okay. so much i don't know you got a better one no from the beauty's mouth
1: Okay, there okay. you go. That's a good mean, one. I like that.
2: <laughs> um, okay, so to begin, okay. do you mind just saying uh, your name and who you are?
3: My name is Ricky Kennig, and I created a New York City iconic <laughs> brand called Ricky's NYC. Oh,
1: that's the best description ever. That's so perfect. Damn. I love yeah. it. Okay. I used to go into Ricky's all the fucking time. Yeah. Especially like did. late teens, early 20s everybody when I was did. first like... Living in Brooklyn yeah
2: we'll, we'll yeah. talk about it we're going to talk about the history sure. of Rickys and about how it's touched each and every one of our New York City lives
4: yeah but okay. at the
2: start will you tell us about your childhood like where you grew up? I know you're a New York City New York City kid
3: right well, I grew up in an area called Rockland County, and back then you didn't have a lot of the policies that are like laws now like um, as far as being able to drive you know I was able to drive at fifteen years old into the city because I had a license. I had a note from my father who had stores in Manhattan. Oh, cool. So I was, you know, and in Rockland County, you know, these people like they didn't really venture into the city. So mm. I was very blessed to be kind of put in a position at a very young age was to be involved with the Manhattan, you know, upbringing. Yeah. So at 15, I was able to do it up until I had to be home by seven. And at 16, I was able to be there, I think until nine. So I was in the city very, very often at a very, very young age. Yeah. My father created this niche. He had, um, he was the first one to carry professional hair care in a, like a schlock, you know, operation. He sold fragrances that he bought off the gray market. And then um, professional hair care was a growing, uh, you know, venture. But the only problem was there was only one line, Vidal Sassoon. I mean, wow. that's how long when ago. Was this? Wait, also
1: what's this, was this was schlock? The, <laughs> like junk Chunk and cooking. you're like jewish <laughs> i'm jewish Yeah, like she's drunk. jewish i'm not jewish
3: okay. well you're you know you're, your boyfriend's jewish no he's so. not but i oh, like that you okay. think
2: that i think that's, that's inclusive i like that you think that okay.
3: though <laughs> so it was an eclectic mix of stuff in the stores i mean my father was the first guy who to bring in perrier water
2: oh wow okay.
3: i mean this is you know way back and then Back then, we were. He was in the candle business. Also, he had like uh, Reeve Gauche was the candles. Now in the seventies, these candles sold for fifty five dollars.
1: Damn! You wow! Know, yeah, I mean you could. That's Google a lot of money might. in the seventies. Yeah. yeah, tell me about it. That's like two hundred dollars, forty dollars candles, candles, right? A yeah. To me.
3: <laughs> yeah. So God, he like, he hmm. kind of was the first person to integrate all these different components into a store. Like outside, he'll have hangers, five for a dollar. Mm-hmm. He'll sell a. Uh, Like one thing that was really big were like carpet, uh, you know, like squares Mm. that everybody lived in apartments. And those were all those squares were samples that a carpet place would send out to a potential customer to say, what about this carpet? You know, to do your whole basement, blah, blah, blah. And we ended up just selling them and then flip flops (laughs) because everybody would go to their mailboxes.
2: Yes. You
3: know. Yes. I was just
2: thinking this recently, how like slides are so must be so you I have slides by my front door and my
1: back door. Yes, because you just need something right. to like
2: slide into to go straight to the bodega,
1: go back to the go to the newspaper, Correct. whatever. Where were his stores? we in the city, just all around. They were Manhattan. in Manhattan. It was
3: called Linda uh, they were called uh, the love stores.
1: I gotta oh, ask no. my grandma. My grandma's lived up in the fifties since
3: Yeah. 70s. I mean we were he he had thirty stores throughout Manhattan.
1: Wow. And Damn. it was wow. the same thing. Yeah. It was What was it called to him?
3: Love, L-O-V-E.
1: <laughs> L-O-V-E. Okay, I love yeah, that. Was, uh, I love it. Yeah.
3: So I worked for him, and then right at, at thirty
2: eight... stores. That's incredible. Sorry, I know that you've had yeah, many, okay. like, so many more, but that's incredible. Yeah. Thirty stores at the city and doing like these really incredible new age things, also or not new age, yeah. but, like new ideas. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the only
3: thing was there was only Dwayne Reed, and they only had one store on Broadway between Dwayne and Reed Street. Mm. So there was nothing else that you know. You had uh, L.S. Amster. You had Woolworths, Mm -hmm. you know, you had, that was it. So Mm -hmm. there was no competition when we were there, especially in in a rising area like beauty. It was all health and beauty aids. So my dad um, specialized in the basic bullshit and then started bringing and importing things. So at 18 years old, I decided not to go to college. And I moved into the city at 18. I lived on 64th between, I think, 1st and 2nd Avenue. Yeah. And I lived in, like, a rent-stabilized place. It was two, $218 Jeez. a month. It was fucking great. So I ended up, <laughs> two, two years later, going to the University of Arizona. And right. I kept the apartment, so I let some people stay there, and all they had to do was pay the 218 blah, blah, blah. Nice. So So after, after two years, I quit. I never really went to school. I just wanted to experience... College because I didn't go to sleepaway camp. I didn't do any of those things. And yeah. I knew what I was going to do my whole life. Right. So um, I moved back into the city, but this time I ended up uh, getting rid of that apartment and moved to 81st and Columbus. Okay. And um, just chilled for a few years and then started to work. Wait, like so my, I,
2: I love that. Okay, so as yeah. a New York City kid, I love that you were like, "I got to see something. I know what I'm gonna do. You had a different experience than most people. Like most people, it's like, "I got to get out of my small town. I got to go and like, you know, go to the big city or see whatever." I love for you. You were like, "I never went to sleepaway camp. I got to go to Arizona. Like, I, I got to go, go somewhere. What it's about. I got to go right. somewhere else. I mean, to see what it's about?" And I'll go back to New York fucking, and do it. You know, and
3: I, I <laughs> not like, I, I wasn't into the education part as far as the schooling. I was into strictly the experience of being like on my own, you know, outside of my comfortable realm in New York.
2: Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. And I didn't
3: take any classes. I took 11 (laughs) credits. All of them were incomplete. So it was the fucking best, you know, um, I I can't tell you how amazing it was. So I ended up coming home (laughs) one time And my parents were fighting. They've always fought. You know, they had a troubled relationship. So I just never went back. Yeah. And they didn't even know it. They didn't, like, they didn't know anything about graduation. They're not, you know, they weren't college. <laughs> so they didn't know. So I called up my younger brother and said, listen, they're fighting again. I just came home. I'm getting my car shipped, and they're going to pack up on myself. I'm not going back. So he goes, okay, I'll be here this week, and I'll do the same. Mm-hmm. So he quit. Where was he? He? Went, to like, <laughs> he went to, like, Albany. I mean, he was not, you know. Party I, yeah, I only went to – I only applied for Miami, uh, Hawaii, and Arizona. <laughs>
1: right. You're like, no, I'm and trying to go have fun in Arizona the world. Arizona accepted
3: night. me. When school started in two days.
1: <laughs> so I just Last flew out choice. there with my
3: father. Right. I didn't have a dorm. I had to stay in a hotel for the first week. And it was fucking... It was great. Yeah. It was such a, an amazing experience. So funny. So then Your when brother I came, obviously
1: was doing the same thing. Because you're like, come home. He's like, all right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean... And he uh opened up sneaker stores before Foot Locker. So nice. he stayed up... At Columbia University. So even if you watched Seinfeld, when Kramer went in to get sneakers, he walked into Manhattan Sports, which was our stores. Oh, that's
4: right. Which awesome. was right next to
3: the deli, Tom's or whatever. Yeah. Was, Tom's Diner. So, um, you know, and then if you actually, the set for Seinfeld has a love store on the set. No way. I swear to God. That's, that's awesome. amazing.
2: Yeah. i My dad set. will definitely love
3: know all that. these stories.
1: I got to ask yeah, him. Yeah.
3: We were all over. That's so awesome. So I... When my dad was a little bit more macho, you know, I mean, I was comfortable in my skin. You know, I don't think he was homophobic, but he was homophobic. Okay.
0: Okay, He just didn't
3: know because the beauty space was queer men. Yes. And, you know, attractive women, you know, and that was it. There was no straight men in the beauty space. Yeah. So it was untapped you know, material. So I was super comfortable. I I knew I was straight, Mm -hmm. you know, so I didn't have a problem becoming friendly with all the gay, you know, stylists and stuff like that, because that was the future. And I was smart enough to recognize that. And I became friends with so many of them and then decided to leave working for my father in a love store and go into competition with my dad because he... Wanted to go the health and beauty aid route, you know, and that's like Dwayne Reed and mm-hmm. all of that crap. I wanted to go strictly into the beauty space. So, like, where he wanted pharmacies in the back, I wanted salons. Yeah. So he liked that I wanted to leave his company. He let me borrow the money to open up my first store. Wow. And yeah. You're and going I-
2: into competition against him, but he was like, all right, good luck. What made yeah. you even realize that. that this was a good idea? Yeah. What made you into like beauty specifically?
3: There was nothing like this, you know, like I when I first was working for my dad, I got to see a lot and to see all like, the, you know, because my father and his partners, they were office people. They didn't you know, I like being at street level and ground level because that's where you get all of your information. Mm-hmm. So I saw a lot of gaps that my father had that were missing, like the, you know, customer requests. So I decided to open up a store in the village, which was untapped area. He had stores, uh, up from 34th street and up back then in the eighties and late seventies, you didn't venture past 34th 23rd street was risky. 14th was terrible. Anything after that, don't go. Oh, wow. I saw opportunities. I saw that if I just became friendly with them, that would help. So when I opened up my first store uh, between Astor and Forth on Broadway, which Antique Boutique, Canal Jeans, you know, all of them were right near me. And um, I went a different route. I made sure everybody in the store had a pad and a pen, and we would get every single customer that would leave the store, find out why they left the store. And my goal from that point was to satisfy every customer. I felt that if I can create a store that if you know if a customer was able to if they a customer well, sorry, excuse me if ricky 's didn 't have it you didn 't need it oh, so wow. What I used to do was I used to buy stuff overseas. So when customers would come in for they want Lnet hairspray and it wasn't available in the States, this special formula one, just the regular basic one. Mm. So I ended up uh, becoming friendly with a kid in London and he would go to the boot stores and he would buy him on deal. And in return, I would buy Supreme Clothing and we would trade. So we did this for about 10 years. And then, you know, we got caught a few times, you know, we, you know <laughs> but the, the worst tough. thing was, oh. yeah. is that after we weren't doing anything illegal, the problem was, is that you weren't able to ship that much hairspray yes. via air.
1: Wow. Okay.
3: So we found out the magic number was nine cans. Wow. Okay. So we would ship nine cans every three days. So it took time, but it worked out phenomenal. We did it for probably about seven or eight years. Wow. Up, up until
4: hilarious.
3: he told me there was a sale. It uh, was buy four, get two free. And I said, okay, load up. He loaded up. This He lived in London. Yeah. Fucking Scotland Yard followed him, raided oh. his house. They thought he was making a bomb. Oh. This was after September 11th. <laughs> How f- I mean, you can't make this up. Wow. I mean, how fucking crazy was that? Love- yeah, so- like I'm just sending hairspray. But I also, I love, yes. how,
2: I love how original this is. I love how you just thought, like, well, how can I do this? If they're not going to sell yeah. it to me, what's the other way that I can still get this product? I need yeah. to have it. Like, what can we do? Like, you didn't take no for an answer. And then no, even I mean, when they were like, you can't send more than nine at a time, you're like, fuck you. I'll figure it out.
3: Well, no, they... Right. Well, we figured out the nine because we got confiscated. But (laughs) even before that, you got to remember, when I opened up my store in 1989, cell phones didn't exist. Yeah. Um, You know, no emails. There was no such thing. So we had to remember what, and the customers wouldn't give their their phone number. You know, like there was still, you know, it was limited. So we had to remember the customer when they came back into the store that we got their request.
2: Wow. And hope that they would come back in.
3: Yeah, I mean, another great, Experience that I can remember is that when I opened in 89, uh, that's when um, MTV started. Yeah. So I decided to, op- to put some big screen TVs and hook it up to the speakers. And I mean, I told the story over and over, but it's still fucking great. Is <laughs> there was this little girl that came in and she saw that we had like a blue and a, a green wig or whatever. And we only had those by mistake. And she said, can you get me a pink wig in a bob? And I was like, absolutely. How many do you need? She goes, I need nine. And I was like, not a problem. So a few days later, you know, she came in, picked up the wigs, and we saw her on MTV. It was Little Kim.
1: Wow. Shut up. I, just I swear. Deal.
3: I mean, you, right. I mean, so wow. all of that shit Damn. was, you know, I was able to experience as a normal everyday thing and it was you know it's only now that new york has changed so much that the stories that i have really are interesting because it's almost like you can't believe that new york ever was at that stage
2: i love that this is the legacy of rickie's right it's like i remember when i went to aesthetic school like you were sort of a subtle brag that i would have like oh well you know rickie's i know Ricky. (laughs) (laughs)
3: yeah there you go well you know you know there was you know I think without the internet and without those things you really were able to create things and be good at marketing you know because either you're good at it or you're terrible you know it's one or the other with the internet you could hire somebody to do it you know so I really managed to learn and listen to customers because I didn't know everything I'm a straight guy you know I don't uh, you know, there's only so much that I can do. Mm-hmm. And I listened to, I mean, like even creating matte bobby pins in the, in the late eighties, early nineties, there was no such thing as matte bobby pins. Mm-hmm. There was only glossy goody, you know, bobby yeah. pins. Yeah. And that was it. So, um, Steven photographer, he used to complain to me all the time. Actually, this leads to another good story. Okay. Yeah. So he used to complain to me all the time that when he would take pictures, the glare on the gloss, he would have to edit it, you know, from the bobby pin, like a reflection. So he asked me to figure out how to do matte bobby pins. So I did either, you know, we sprayed a matte or we used sandpaper to smoothen it out, you know, so we did different things. So that story is one of my classic stories. So when I move into this neighborhood, I fucking go to Anthony's, some guy goes to me. Yeah. So this guy goes to me, hey, you're Ricky, right? And I was like, yeah. He goes, you might not remember me, but I'm, you know, St- I'm Steven Mizell's, uh chauffeur. You used to <laughs> always hook him up with bobby pins and I used to pick him up from you, pull up to the pump and then take him over to Pier 59. <laughs> I'm like, holy the shit. fuck? Anthony's right. bringing people to- together. Anthony's really yeah. to bring
2: people together. I love that. But I also love how so much of the story is you just like making the entrepreneur decision to take things into your own hands and solve a problem that people are bringing to you. Like you didn't try to outsource or maybe you did, but first you just tried to like figure no. it out yourself.
3: No, well there was nobody to outsource. Yeah. You know Who, who are you going to outsource to somebody in the business that you're in that nobody else is in your business?
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: The, the only outsource. Well, you have to flip it. There was an outsource, yeah. okay, and the outsource is speaking to your customers and yeah. getting involved. And the customers are the ones that educated me on what I needed to carry and why I needed to carry it. Yeah, you know, I was yes. super into, as Liz knows, black girls. Okay, I've only dated black girls my <laughs> whole must, life. I mean, the most
2: beautiful black girls. I must say, <laughs> they're all gorgeous. Well,
3: yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, you know, it's I grew up, you know, I was very fortunate. My parents both work and we had uh, live in help. So, you know, most of them were Jamaican and I was always attracted to them, but I didn't know what I would do. So it, it's just it worked out really well that, you know, later on in life. But I remember It began. Well, yes, yes. I remember <laughs> what it took for my ex to get her hair done. Mm-hmm. We had to go to Dykeman Street and go to the Dominicans. And I would have to sit in the car for fucking four All or five day. hours. <laughs> right. So I decided to not sit in the car anymore. Is to go into the salon and see how and what they do that makes them the best. And I learned from them the types of brushes that you needed, the few basic combs that you needed. And then they asked me to create some things that didn't leave creases like the bobby pins because what happened was they would use like 15 to 18 or so to wrap it, it was like only one mm-hmm. size 3 and a quarter black ones and they would wrap it and from that point i realized that okay how do i make it so that we can use less bobby pins you and not the big have creases Well, i cre- no i created a bobby pin that leaves no crease in wow. the hair And a bunch of people have copied. You even see from so many different photo shoots, you'll see like a a bright color plastic clip that's shaped almost like an arrow. And some of them are bows. Okay. Well, those things are clips that I created about 10, 12 years ago. They're still in existence. It leaves no marking on the hair. And I used my twin daughters at a young age to be testing all of these things. And so that not having the internet really made me go down to the street and understand and then from that point I started going to China and learning how to manufacture those particular 25 cent clips to figure out how I can get them to bend it a little bit more or to increase something clips no No. you're stone age yeah I love this I had no
2: idea that you're also an inventor
3: Oh, I, thousands of items I've done.
2: Wow. What I
3: did was, once I got to the point where I learned enough at store level, I used to go to China and spend two, three weeks out there at a time and would not buy anything. Mm. I just, I would go to the trade shows, I would travel to the factories, and I, for 10 years, all I did was learn the manufacturing and become friendly with the manufacturers. Then I was, felt that I was ready to start importing some stuff and creating some stuff. You know, it's it's amazing how many people have copied me, and it's great because, you know, it's a huge compliment, but they're still doing it, you know, yeah. and it's like this is going back years ago, and it's, um, yeah, it's been great.
2: Damn. That's incredible.
1: Okay, this also makes sense why your stores were always very well curated because you listened mm. to everyone who came in there, and you were like. Totally. It makes so much – anytime – I lived in Bushwick for a long time, like starting like 15 years ago. And there were some beauty supply stores like on Knickerbocker Avenue, Uh but they were like, they didn't have much. So I always would be like, shit, I got to like go into the city and go to Ricky's. And it was all, whatever I needed was always there. Mm -hmm. Always. But this makes so much sense. I get it. Yeah,
0: well.
2: So, how many stores did you end up? So, the listeners know how many stores did you end up with in Manhattan? Because Ricky's was like, it's it, would I make think it, it was twenty-eight. Yeah. Damn. Wow. Yeah. So and you, then we
3: would do pop-up, you yes, know, stores the Halloween like yeah. Halloween and stuff. Yes, I was yeah. going to say, and, and nobody did pop-ups damn. fifteen years ago. Yeah. Nobody even heard of it.
2: And so Ricky's pop-ups I loved because somebody like an, an Urban Outfitters would close down, and the next week there would be a Ricky's pop-up
1: yeah. for a Halloween. Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, it, was so yeah it was so good. It was a good run. Yeah. It was a really good I left, you know, I sold my shares in 2014.
4: Mm. So oh,
3: wow. it, the it only carried over for another few years all of the stuff that we implemented. Mm-hmm. Um the more there were like morons that were running the company mm-hmm. and well it you know and the customers all knew Back then, the direction has changed. They no longer were keeping up with the times. The pricing was not consistent. The staffing, you know. So the company changed, and it was going in that direction of where it is now. Nowhere.
0: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe.
2: so I'm interested in what you were saying before, is that your daughters, you know, you've got uh, multicultural daughters. And I guess I re- you already answered this question, but, like, in terms of them um, learning about beauty, learning about skincare, learning about hair care, all of these things, like, what was your influence, I suppose, like, with them and with coming, like... Cause
4: it's different when you're a dad. Zero. zero. <laughs> well, yeah. okay,
3: it's zero at that. But when it came to the hair, yeah, you know, things that were... Um, I, since I was creating from scratch, I was, those products didn't exist. So they were like Guinea pigs and without harming them. I mean, like, because when, when you're creating a clip that leaves no crease, the, the best hair to try that on is the very coarse resistant ethnic hair or blonde, dry, brittle hair, mm. because that, you know, so for the twins, I needed both of their types of hair. Because one of them had very thick and the other one had very thin. Mm. So I needed all that stuff. So they never questioned that. When it came to the skincare, they listened to their friends, you know. And I remember I used to go shopping for them. And that's actually how I met Monique. I used to go to a store. Monique used to work at the store. Mm -hmm. She used to dress the kids. And I always thought she was cute, but she wouldn't shut up.
4: So I was like, you
3: know, I was like, she's so fucking damn cute and what a sweetheart, but she just doesn't, you know, but anyway, so we stayed friendly and she has watched the twins like grow up. And I got to the point where the twins never wanted me to get them more Rick Owens clothes and none of the big designers. So we made a deal that I buy bags, jackets, and shoes. And they could buy everything (laughs) else from Urban Outfitters. So the skincare part sort of fell in that category because I never really asked them to touch any of that stuff because they have their friends. They're, you know, you can't really push them to using anything because they don't know the difference. Their skin was flawless from jump.
1: Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) I love it. That's cute. Wait, how old are they?
3: They are 27.
2: Your kids are 27 now?
3: Yeah, they're going to be, yeah. Oh, my God. They're fucking, yeah. You've
1: grown out. kids. Po- and yeah. they're
3: polar opposite. One is a fun size. She's 5'2", and the other one's a full size, 5'7". Damn. <laughs> yeah.
1: Fun size. I'm fun size. <laughs> well, that's what she calls herself. I love she's that. She's fun
3: what? size twin. And they're twins. That.
1: Oh, that's so funny to be yeah, so
2: different. Yeah, they're fraternal
3: twins. Yeah. Their mother was the youngest woman to ever do in vitro. Wow. So these Yeah. She was only twenty years old, super wow. cool girl, you know. Yeah. And I, so it was. It's been a great run. Yeah,
4: you know, thank well, it's God. It's been a great <laughs> run.
2: Twenty-seven. <laughs> wow, I'm, they're almost yeah, as 20, old as 20, me. So like yeah, 27, twenty-seven. And then my
3: other, the middle daughter, you just saw, is sixteen. And then my son is six, so I had sex three times. We know ten years apart. <laughs> That's all we know. Every ten
4: Little Ricky years, is very cute. right?
3: Little exactly. Ricky is beautiful. Oh my God, he's such a great kid too. Yeah, he's very, Super very blessed.
2: Super blessed. Um, so, Ricky, what are you doing these days? So, since you sold your the company, what have you been up to?
3: Um, I was working with a few companies. Like I worked uh, for Goody to create some of the products to offer Ulta. Ooh, the, cool. And then I worked for, I worked for Conair and Babeless. I did a few projects for three Oh five fitness, like a oh, gym, yeah. some bottles and stuff. Oh, and yeah. then BeautyCon.
1: Oh, oh yes. I was there. I yeah. was at BeautyCon a few years ago.
3: Yeah, me too. I just stay on the street hustle. You know, I do whatever I can do. People call me for connections, you know, stores sometimes need products. So yeah. I track it down for
2: them. Do you want to do your own line again soon? Do you think? Yes and no. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm
3: I'm almost at the point where I probably will have to do my own line because it doesn't seem like people want me in their office. They would rather me do it and then them just copy me. And right. that's fine too.
2: I mean, I hear that there's a problem within create like creative industries period, do you know, like you see this popping up all the time on the internet is you know, people submit things for an internship and they don't get the internship, but then their designs are showing up on the runways. And now there's TikTok, and now there's all these things that like people have the receipts to prove that like yes, yeah. you stole my designs. Right. But you're not the right. first person to say this, like, and you won't be the last. It's, it's, it's uh, listen, now, like, you,
3: where the fuck do you think I came yeah. from? You don't you think <laughs> I I did a lot on my own,
2: but a lot of it was inspired by
3: other ideas and right, inspirations. Yeah. yeah. You know, because you do need that.
1: Yeah. Totally. Oh. I mean, yeah, well, all right. Well, Ricky. Yeah, and you don't seem to be bothered by it. <laughs> I mean, you what don't seem to be bothered by it at all. What, what is it's the... like someone yeah, thought your idea was so well, good that they want to steal it.
2: Yes, yeah, that's true. But it's frustrating when it's like you're trying but to it's collect not the coins. Free. When it's yeah. just like, all right, well, where's the money, though?
3: No. Well, also, when you're a creator, you can continually create. Like, look what I did with Ricky's. Created yeah. Ricky's, left it to people, left it in a an incredible position. And they wanted to change it. And that's what made it fail. They changed everything Mm -hmm. when everything was done over 20 something years of experience. How do you change a working system because you're, you're educated book smart and you think that, you know, and they're the ones who screwed it up. Yeah. Like with me, when people steal the ideas, I just have to think of the next product to do so that that way they can copy that also. But you know, I'm, you know, what is it? There was a, Similar to what you were saying, it was, um, they can steal something, but they can't steal the match of the sauce, you yeah, know, they yeah. can steal the meal, but not the sauce or something yeah. like that.
2: It's true. People who steal things, it's you're saying exactly correctly. It's like, you can steal what you want, but I'm going to have new ideas. Yeah. Correct. Like you can't steal how to be creative, how to be conceptual, how to listen to people. And you're absolutely right. Like when there's a formula that works, when there's a recipe that works, and that's why like what we tried to remind ourselves in doing the podcast and having more eyes on us, it's like the recipe that we're doing works, just stick to the recipe. Once yep. you start to stray from that shit, is when everything goes crazy. Because yeah. like that's not what the people want. The people want what you've already created and perfected. So just stay,
1: stick to the recipe. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this happens well- a lot. Yeah, It sure. does, but,
3: but there's also some very smart people that make sure it doesn't happen. Like, one of my friends, well, he's one of my best friends, he created Supreme. And oh,
2: he, that's, this is making sense now. I didn't know that was one of your best friends. I didn't know either. What's his yeah. name? I forget his name.
3: James. James Jebbia.
2: Okay, yeah. Well, I just see okay. that you're in head-to-toe uh, Supreme. I just thought you really liked Supreme. Yeah. No, no, I, I was friends
3: with James probably eight, nine years before he created Supreme. Mm. So he, you know, he was down in Soho, he worked in a store and I was friends with his brother and I was friends with his business partner. So I just watched him do all the stuff, but he was so super focused and anal with the way that he even folded his clothes 25 years ago. Mm. Okay. And how it was so simple and basic. And then an investor came in, they took it to the next level and he you know, he was still in control. And then more recently, he sold it for 2.1 billion. And the wow. reason. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah I Vans, I know.
1: Vans bought that. No? Did yeah. Vans buy Supreme? Well,
3: it's uh VS. They own right, okay. uh, North Face. They own B- Timberland. right 2.1 billion.
2: Right. Yo, that's your homie. He did all, it. All, all cash. Wow, right. the fuck? Yeah. is he yeah, single? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'm, ma- I'm married, you're not, so girl, you're
4: not.
3: But not. the reason why the reason why he sold to this company is because they're going to keep the integrity yeah. that he spent 26 years creating.
4: Yeah. And
3: most of the time, companies don't do it, but that was his only clause. Yeah. You know, is that if you change it, you're going to ruin the whole chemistry. And these people who invested all this money are actually keeping it. As is. Yeah. So. That's
2: really we, awesome. We actually drove past the Supreme store the other day on Bowery. And I haven't been to the city too, too much in the last year. So this is one of my first times driving past it. But it's in mm-hmm. that building that's right on the corner of Bowery. Maybe like right. Elizabeth, I think. Right?
3: Right. It used to be uh, a photography studio. There's another guy, yeah. Mizel. Mm-hmm. He lived on, I think, floor two and three. It was like a fucking creepy. Yes. Looking place. But Total he lived that
2: there. Is hilarious. But I love because it's t- completely graffitied over, especially since this past year with like everything that happened with the pandemic. It's been spray painted tons and graffitied tons. And so there's now a Supreme store in it. But it works with the brand, and I love that they didn't clean the graffiti off of it. They didn't try to, like, make it a beautiful store. Like, I Uh, love that they just left it as is because it works with the fucking brand. And now that I know that it's been sold, it's very impressive that, like, this big corporation came in and was smart enough to say, like, don't change this. We'll take this store as is. We'll just move our (laughs) shit into it. Because it looks looks like, oh, just whoever owns Supreme, like, was smart enough to come in and take over this. You know, usually Uh, when, like, PE comes in, (laughs) things start to, you know... Get shiny.
3: you would got to just love how a guy like that made sure that it went into the proper hands, that he didn't just do it for the money because he already had enough fuck you money yeah. that he okay. didn't have to <laughs> sell to them. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. And yeah.
3: he could have stuck it out because he sold for like, I think, over a billion dollars the first round a year, two wow. years ago. Right. So this one came and bought so everything money. after. I'm oh yeah. so
1: curious so what money. he's doing with all of his money. He's on an island. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can tell me, but I imagine That's like too much money. No, I wouldn't no, know what to
3: do. He's not, he's not flashy at all. He spends all of his time now for, with his kids and his wife, you know, because, yeah, he's a beautiful person. Yeah. It couldn't have happened to a nicer individual.
1: Wow. He also, I mean, I know a few people who have worked for Supreme for years. And even in the store, I mean, people get paid well.
3: They made a ton because they earned it because they were super loyal to the business. And even when he sold the company, he made sure he provided for everybody that was wow. there from the beginning.
1: Wow. Oh my
2: yeah, beautiful I love person. Him. That's incredible. I know. What else would you like our listeners to know about you? What can you leave us with? Um, what great bit of like, Ricky wisdom?
3: Well, it seems to be... I, I mean, I'm almost saying get away from the internet.
2: Yeah. You know, and, and get out there. Yeah.
3: Because it has changed so much. I mean, like, even here, I'm single, I meet these girls, they don't look the fucking same in person as online. <laughs> you know, so... You know, but you gotta look at... the bullshit that goes on with products working, you know, like them doing different things to the hair, that could be an illusion. I think we have to get back out there and start finding brick and mortar stores to start going in there and seeing the product and get away from the Internet, social media a little bit. I mean, that's something that we're all going to be in forever is the social media. But so many people go buy it. And, you know, they believe in it, and whatever they're saying, that's what they're swearing by, and people are buying into it. I I just, I don't know. Um, I I think we got to get out there and support the community and, you know, help retail open back up. And there are a lot of people will have to start being creative again because they're out there in the public. I think the social media people that are creative, they're doing a great job. But yeah. what about all the other ones that only have uh, 500 followers when the other one has 17 million? You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. you just got to kind of step away from that, stay in it, but also visit stores, start doing things that maybe will help you enhance your knowledge. Like maybe start going to uh, art openings, even though it could be bullshit, but you never know who you might meet there
2: Yeah. and love do that. it. But just getting I mean, out there more. No, it's the truth. That's old yeah. New York. That's how things used to be done. That's how creativity used to be spread. That's how people yep. used to meet and people used it's to true. date was IRL in real life doing shit. Yeah. And I agree right. with you. I agree. And I think that this is going to be the summer for that. I think for sure people are ready to just like be out. At least, I want to say for that everywhere, I'll say for our city. I think At people least are ready to yes. fucking get out there
1: and experience right. life And support businesses. It's really and important. Yeah, businesses. well, and the next level will be
3: is some retailers coming back into the spotlight, because they've all closed up. And so now we can only go shopping in those bigger chain stores. Mm -hmm. And that's not what New York was about. New York was about strictly, you know, the the energy and the stores, you would find products that you couldn't find anywhere else. And we're, we're completely out of that. We have to get back into that over the next handful of years.
2: Yes. I love that concept. Agreed. I love that concept. Imagine like if, we, if you market something online, but it's like, bitch, you got to come in store to get it. Yeah. yeah. I well, love that. Supreme,
3: you know, that's. Supreme? State. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's we Supreme. said we we're getting off all that, right?
1: right. right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but their stores are definitely an experience. Well, didn't my husband skateboards? And I'm pretty sure the Supreme in Williamsburg had a ramp, or do they still? Well, we are saying with yeah, make Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. They also but just have it now. To have an experience, to have stores that have yes. an experience. But yes. just going shopping in person, and obviously we took the shit for granted before the fucking pandemic hit. But right. I love going into stores now. It's, yeah. it's all an experience to yeah. me. Yeah. And it's really nice. And I'm just happy.
2: Well, yeah. Let's support. Let's let's as retailers. Let's encourage people to come IRL. Let's be creative. Let's think of ways to get people in. I love that concept of um, we'll post about it online, but bitch, you gotta come in to get it. I love that. Right. Yeah. And Black
3: Black Lives Matter. I have four of them.
2: And Black Lives Matter. I gotta worry
4: about.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Black Lives Matter. It's true. Yeah.
4: Um,
2: From
1: six to twenty-seven. Holy shit. Yeah, Ricky, you got your hands full. Ricky's got like eight. No, I love it. No, I only have
3: four. And it's great. I, I, listen, I wish I was able to afford one more. You know, I know you do. A, you love kids. I can such tell an, that you love It's such them. a blessing. Oh, it's great. Yeah, that's sweet. great I, That's I mean, one
2: thing. I mean, I can say a lot of things about Ricky, but like I, I love to see you with your family, like just walking up and down Graham Avenue. Like yeah, you are the I mean, happiest e- man for miles. And, and
3: even when I'm with Monique and
2: X,
4: okay, <laughs> and we, get even, a, you know,
3: we get along great. You know, true. the energy is there. And, you know, I mean, we always come to see you when she's in, te- when it's she comes true. by. It's so, it's so, yeah. yeah no drama.
2: It sure is no true. Drama. Yeah, you that. guys are beautiful. Oh, and your cute little and dog. You taste. I always see your good taste in ladies. Dog. I'm not going to lie because your kids are beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> they are so beautiful. I know. I, I know. Yes. yes. Um, thank you so much for talking with us today. This My pleasure.
3: Such a pleasure. Thank you
2: so much. And if
3: anybody in your audience needs any advice on any of, like, beauty tips or ways to get into the industry or to create products, I'm here. You know, I'm that. easy accessible. I'm not, I, I, I have no problems helping people.
2: Tell them where they can reach you.
3: At my, well, do it Instagram. It's Instagram, just my name, yeah. Ricky, R-I-C-K-Y, Ricky Kenick, K-E-N-I-G, at me.com, M-E.com. And it's
1: just Ricky Kenick is your Instagram, right? Yes. Love it. Awesome. <laughs> Hey, guys. Oh, hey. Hope you loved that chat we had with Ricky. What'd you guys think? What did you think? Um, I know we usually don't have men on the pod. Ricky was our first cisgendered male. What is it? Cisgendered male, yeah. But because he is so relevant in the beauty space and in the beauty history of New York City. For sure. And and... he's our homie. Yeah. (laughs) And he lives in our neighborhood. Yes. In Brooklyn, we thought that it was totally appropriate to have him on. I love hearing just anything about old New York City. hundred percent. It just gives me all the feels. So I loved hearing. Of course, I had to text my dad and be like, do you know these stores? Do you know those stores? Yes. And my dad was like, of course I know Manhattan sports. Yeah, of course <laughs> I know loves. He actually didn't know. Lo- he said he couldn't remember loves. I didn't even ask Seinfeld him if he knew Ricky's. I'm like, my right. dad knows nothing about beauty or anything. probably <laughs> never noticed. But my dad's a hockey. He plays hockey. So I'm like, he'll oh, <laughs> fucking know Manhattan sports. And of course he did. Yes. But, um. Yeah, I'd love that. I, I really loved everything you had talked about, but just hearing anything about New York from the past is just always fun. So, guys, send us your questions, send us your listener letters
2: to True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on the gram at True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast. You can DM us. You can leave a comment if you want, but you know you can DM us.
1: And wow.
2: Twitter. Do you True like how BK between, pod? Like, uh, British and Brooklyn accent? It's very strange, but I like it. I mean it's kind of like Spanglish, but Brit. I don't know. How do you do bri- Bra English? Bringlish. Bringlish. Whatever, whatever. Uh hit us up. <laughs> <on Twitter.
1: laughs> At True We're Beauty so BK goofy. Pod. And that's it. Rate, review, and subscribe us, rate, as always. Rate, review, subscribe. A
2: Rate, review, subscribe. Ayy. Rate, review, subscribe. A Five stars only, please.
1: If you we give us it. a good rating, we sing you the song. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks and so much. Thank you, guys. We love you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for telling your, telling your mamas, telling your sisters, telling your friends. Tell your friends to tell a friend. Tell your cousins, your homegirls, your dads appreciate you guys <laughs> we love you guys we'll see you <laughs> next time see you next
1: time bye bye This has been a COC-BK production. Produced by us, Elizabeth Taylor and Alex Shapiro. Our engineer is Bart Tripoli.
2: Our theme music composer is Zebra Sonic. Our artwork is by Garrett Ross. Our photos, hair, and makeup are by Sabrina and Joe Holdsworth.
1: If you're an advertiser interested in advertising on our show, go to midroll.com slash ads. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com.